work you guys do. As I said last week, I showed up with a sermon and I didn't preach it. I preached something else. Sometimes that happens when you are a preacher. And I gave you guys that were here an invitation. Anybody remember? Anybody remember what the invitation was? I invited you to have the very best year you've ever had in your life. Okay? I invited you to let 2017 be the very best year you have ever lived on the planet. Does anybody remember how I told you that was possible? Anybody remember? How is it possible for you to have the very best year of your life? There's really only one way. There's only one way. Obey the Lord with glad, reckless joy. Radically obey Christ in every sphere of your life like you never have before. I promise you call me or email me or come to my apartment December 31st, 2017, and I want to hear about it. I want to hear about all the cool stuff God did in your life because you gave yourself away to Him, right? That's the only way it works. Christianity's not religion. We, we say it all the time. It's not religion. It's a relationship that's always taking us into new places. Beautiful places. Intimate places. Um, it's the only way 2017 can be your best year. And that is if you decide to radically follow Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus talks about the abundant life. John 10.10. One of the most famous verses in all the Bible. The abundant life, right? I love how Eugene Peterson paraphrased it. He says it's the more than necessary life. Don't you love that? The more than necessary life, Moni. That's correct. That's right. She wants to get close. She wants to hear what the preacher's saying. I like that. I like that. The more than necessary life. I shared this with you last week. I'll share it again. One of my favorite quotes from C.S. Lewis. Once a man, I want you to consider this, okay? As you look into 2017. And here's the thing. God says you decide, right? God says, you know, you decide... I am who I am. I do what I do. You decide if you love me enough to walk with me. It's your decision. It's on you. And you decide. C.S. Lewis says, once a man follows God, how could he not live forever, right? How could it not happen if you're walking with Jesus Christ? And then he says, but once a man refuses to follow God, what can he do but wither and die? So you decide in 2017. Do you want to walk with God intimately? And I'm going to assume that at least most of you in here profess to be Christians. Or you just want to play the game. We understand that much of modern Christianity is about playing the game. You know, I, it's on my tongue. I talk it. I don't actually ever do it. But I talk it. That's much of modern Christianity. Much of modern Christianity is apostate. We talk about it all the time. You need to understand that. If you're not aware of that, if that's troubling or confusing to you, you need to come talk to me and we'll sort it out some. But I'm talking to the born-again believer, right? That's the only person I talk to in here. <laughs> if you're not born again, you're not going to like it here much. Um, man, I want 2017 to... I, 
I want it to be a killer year for you. It will be if you walk with Christ. Now, again, if you're just playing a game with God, it's going to, it'll, well, Lewis said it. You will just continue to wither in the new year. Those of you who've been around for a while, and I mentioned him last week, know that Gideon is one of my favorite characters. You know, God comes to Gideon. He just shows up one day. Don't you love it when he does that? He just shows up one day and he sits under the oak tree and he says, uh, Greetings, O valiant warrior. He calls, he calls Gideon a valiant warrior. Well, he's not a valiant warrior. He's a farmer. And we talked a little bit about this last week. And uh, yeah, this is troubling when God shows up and does something like that, right? And Gideon was very, he was, he was very concerned about it. But you know, God's going to do the same for some of you in 2017. He's going, to, he's going to blow up your resume in 2017. And I don't want you to be afraid. I want you to look forward to it. It's always good when God comes near and calls us to the new place. And you know, Gideon and the boys, 300 guys, they were outnumbered 450 to 1. They went down and God routed the enemy. And can you imagine the exhilaration in the hearts of these men? But that's not the favorite my favorite part of the story. It's when God calls Gideon to do the thing he can't do. That's my favorite part of the story. And I think we touched on it a little bit last week. God blows up Gideon's resume. Gideon says, I'm a farmer. I'm, I'm, I'm a farmer from this pathetic farming family and I'm the youngest farmer in my farming family. He says, I, I can't do this. God says, I'm with you. I'm with you. It's what I want to say to you in 2017. God is with you. It's what Psalm 16 is all about. God is with His people. You can live huge. You can die well. This is what David's talking about. He says, I'll live huge and I'm ready to die well. As he finishes the psalm, he starts talking about eternity. He says, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Gideon has a God encounter and now he's free. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Once you meet the living God and you choose to go with Him, you are free indeed. David says, because my God is God, I will live huge. I will not be afraid. And because my God is God, I will die well. In Psalm 16, David is expressing his complete confidence and assurance that God is his refuge in life and God is his refuge in death. It's like cheating. I know I say this to you on occasion, but really, I find myself saying this more and more often. Walking with the living God is like cheating. I mean, He's always there. He's always willing. He's always sufficient. The impossible is not a word for Him. It's not in His lexicon. Impossible. He doesn't know what this word is. He doesn't know. I love Psalm 16. There's so much freedom and power and courage and gladness and 
joy. You know, one of my favorite verses, it comes up about every eighth or ten, eight to ten sermons. Daniel 11.32, the people who know their God, they shall be strong and they shall do exploits. And that's what I want you to do in 2017. I want you to realize that your God is God. You have no constraints except the ones you put on yourself. You can live your faith huge in the new year. You can have the best year you've ever had by simply, simply opening, opening your hands to God and following Him. Christianity, as I tell you over and over and over again, is not complicated. It is quite simple. So knowing God is absolute freedom is what I want to talk about tonight. And if you know David's God and you know Gideon's God, <clears throat> you will not come to the end of your lives without having truly lived. You know, it made me think of that Braveheart quote. Uh, you remember when his woman came to him at the end of the movie there, William Wallace, and she says, you're going to die, you're going to die. Anybody know what William says, William Wallace says in the movie? Um, he says, every man dies, but what? Not every man really lives. I want you guys to really live in 2017. That's what I want for you. That's what I've been praying for you. That's what I want for you. You know, conforming to the world, you know, is not life. You know that, right? You know inhaling and exhaling is not life. You know that, right? You know just following the herd is not life. You know that, right? You know that compromising on the, what you say you believe, you know that's not life. Right? Listen, what I want for you, and I, you can't see them, but I've got goosebumps. What I want for you is I want you to be free to go with God in 2017. That's my gift. If I could hand that off to you, you know, and I'm preaching to myself. Karen and I have some stuff in front of us too. And I just want to make, I just want to make, I want to make much of Jesus in it, right? Just make much of Jesus. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for me. Verse 1, Psalm 16. Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in You. You look there at the, the Hebrew. You do a word study here on this on this word translated preserve, and I love it. I, I, I saw the word watchman. God is your watchman, right? <laughs> God is your watchman. God is your guard. He guards your life. He's, he's the watchman of your life. What are you afraid of? You know, most Christians I encounter, when I, when I really push them to the wall about walking by faith, um, there's always fear. And I acknowledge it. There was fear for me, and as God continues to grow me, there's a new fear for me. But God always says, take courage. Jesus said it like six or eight times in the New Testament. He's the only one recorded saying this. Take courage. I am with you. I am with you. Take courage. I am with you. Almighty God, El Shaddai, is our watchman. Made me think of Exodus 15, 3 and 6. The Lord is a warrior. <laughs> He's a warrior. Our God's a warrior. <laughs> what are you afraid of? 
your God is a warrior. The people were singing after he crushed Egypt, you know. Uh, the people were singing, uh, The Lord is a warrior. Your right hand, O Lord, is majestic in power. Your right hand, O Lord, shatters the enemy. Psalm 24, 8, Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. One more quick one, Zephaniah uh, 3.16 The Lord your God is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in His love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And then I'm going to give you yeah, rapid fire here. I'm not going to give you the, the verses. If you want them, email me. I'll send you my notes. But David never gets over the fact that God is his watchman and God is his guard. He talks about it over and over and over and over again. And these are just excerpts from the Psalms, random excerpts. David says, The Lord's my shield, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer. He conceals me in His tabernacle. He puts me up on a rock. He hides me. He surrounds me with songs of deliverance. He is my strength. He is my very present help. He is my tower of strength. He is my shelter. He is my rock of habitation. He is my hope. He is my stronghold. I shall not be shaken, David says. And this is what I'm inviting you into in 2017. We're not going to be afraid anymore. We're going to put it down right here. We'll sweep it up tomorrow. All your fear, just put it down. We'll, we'll have the, the guy sweep it up tomorrow. I know the tendency is, because I've been a Christian a long time, the tendency is to pick it back up. What do you do when you, when you want to pick up the fear again? What do you do? What are you supposed to do? Well, we're going to see it in a few minutes, so I'll hold on that. I'll give you a preview. We're supposed to look at God's what we're supposed to do, Right? We're supposed to look at God. We'll cover that a little bit more in depth in a minute. Beloved, if you know God like this, you will not come to your grave without having really lived. Without being who you were supposed to be. It's kind of like, it's like God calling out Gideon, right? He, he, he calls Gideon into, into who he was supposed to be. This is what God's doing in some of your lives, and some of you guys are fighting God, right? Some of you aren't releasing yourself into His hands. You know, if you don't release yourself into your Creator's hands, you'll never find out who you're supposed to be. You'll always be ignorant your whole life of who you're supposed to be in Christ. Gideon was a farmer. It's a good thing. God turned him into a valiant warrior. Some of you don't know yet who you're supposed to be. Karen and I are asking God, what's next for us? This is a good thing to talk to God about regularly. <laughs> right? It's a good thing. It is a good thing. Verse 2, I said to the Lord, You are my Lord. I have no good besides you, you are my Lord. I'm going to ask you, is that true in your life? Now, don't just say, hey, it rolls off my tongue. Don't just give me the, the dogma thing or the doctrine thing or the liturgy thing. What I'm asking you, is He Lord of your life on the internet, on the date, at the school, at the university, in your job? Is He Lord then? That's what I'm asking you. This is what David's talking about. He's not talking about the theoretical, 
academic kind of Christianity or, or faith in God. He's talking about the real thing. You get up every morning and Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is Lord. And it's real. And it impacts the way you live. It impacts how you decide to live. This is what David is talking about. A lordship that's seen in our deeds and in our lives, even seen in our deaths. I spend a lot of time with my mom. She's 85. She's ready to go home. I get it. I get it. She's ready. I, I get it. Some of you young people, you, you, you know, you can't fathom that she would ever be ready to go. But she's ready. And, you know, it's the Philippians 1.21 thing. <laughs> to live is Christ, to die is gain. And we understand that. We understand that that is true. David says in verse 2, all my good comes from God. It comes from God. All my good comes from God. My well-being is dependent upon God. It made me think of Psalm 73, 28. But as for me, the nearness of God is my good. If, like Job, I've lost everything I can possibly imagine but my life, God is still my good, right? If He takes everything, every other blessing away, which is God's prerogative, he doesn't owe you or me anything. He just richly gives because it pleases Him and He's that kind of God. But if He takes everything, as we learn in the book of Job, which, which we may look at in the next few weeks, God is our good. Verse 3, As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my Delight. Of course, we're not talking about saints in the Catholic sense. Uh, we're talking about these are not super duper Christians. These are just believers. Uh, that's what saints means in the Bible. These are just lovers of God. That's all it means. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's just talking about your average believer. We're not talking about super duper Christians. He's talking about anyone who knows Jesus Christ. And did you notice the word the Holy Spirit puts in David's mouth? The true lovers of God, they are the majestic ones. Don't you love that? Isn't that beautiful? I saw in my word study one reference to we are of kings. We are of kings. Well, yeah. The king of kings. We are His. We are Majestic ones. It's a word used to describe Jesus Christ and those who are in Jesus Christ. I always loved R.C. Sproul's uh, how succinctly he sums up the human experience. From dust, that's who we were, dust, to glory. And in between, we made ourselves enemies against God by our own uh, exercise of our own will. Uh, we, we chose to rebel. But from enemies of God to co-heirs by the finished work of Jesus. Th- this, is, this is breathtaking assertions that the Bible makes. So it's, what, I'm, what, I'm say, what I want to say, it's right for us to remember how miserable we were in our sin. 
And that we are sinners saved by grace. It's right to remember that. I got a friend back home. Every time I go home, I had a, a barbecue sandwich with him when I was home. He always says, how are you doing, you worm? He always calls me a worm. Now, why would he call me a worm? Who knows why? Job talks about it. Bildad says to Job, you're a worm. We're all worms. It's good for us to remember that. It keeps us humble. But it's on that side of the ledger. But there's another side of the ledger. If we're in Christ, we're what? More than conquerors. Beloved, remembering who we were keeps us humble and that we are saved by sovereign grace alone. That keeps us humble. But remembering who we are makes us bold. You know, Martin Luther used to talk about broken boldness, right? That's what I want for you in 2017, man. Some more broken boldness, right? It'll be the best year you ever lived if you will incarnate the broken boldness. And David says, I delight in the set-apart ones. It's why ICM exists. You know, the glory years are over. Maybe they'll be back again. We've got 25 people in here tonight. Um, but you're here. Why are you here? Why are you here? Because you love God. You love God and you love God's people. That's why 89 nations have come through in 13 years. Um, You've got to be with God's people. God's people have to be with God's people. It's part of what I think David is expressing here. He says, I delight in them. It's my delight to, to be with the people of God, to, to love the people of God, to serve the people of God. It's what real Christians do. Now, pretend Christians, they show up whenever. It's convenient. Real Christians are down with the church. It's the body of Christ. So, it's one of the things I think David is saying to us. Verse 4, the sorrow of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their libations of blood, nor shall I take their names upon my lips. Of course, David is just talking about those who worship a false god. And of course, in our context, obviously there are many false gods in the world, not least of which for for us in the West would be the, the pseudo-Christ, uh, the false Christs that are presented in many, many churches. Um, something for you to be mindful of just because somebody's talking about Jesus. It doesn't mean they're talking about this Jesus. The One who lives and breathes here. A lot of people use His name. And you start asking them what they really believe and they're not even close to this Jesus, you always have to make sure whatever church you visit or think about joining, you've got to make sure they're talking about the biblical Jesus. There's a whole lot of false Jesus out there in the world. So we need to, be, we need to understand that. David's talking about those who have gone after false gods those who have gone after stuff and temporal pleasures, they've exchanged the glory of, of God, Romans 1, for junk. Some of you, I would hazard a guess, there's probably one, at least one, maybe a few of you who are still 
doing that exchange. You're tipping your hat to God on Sunday, but really, during the week, it's just all about the stuff. It's all about the pleasure. It's all about the ego ride. It's all about the vanity. It's all about the pride. I want to lovingly challenge you in 2017 to put all that down, right? And get serious with God. Get serious with the Lord Jesus. Verse 5, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. You support my lot. This is how farmers become um, valiant warriors. This verse right here. It made me think of um, as I thought about also Job. You know, because Psalm 16, and I could have gone to about a hundred places in the Bible to talk about these things. That God is God. God is sufficient. God is enough. Obey Him with glad, reckless joy. Never look back. Never compromise. I could have gone to a hundred places in the Bible where God says, I'm God. Do what I tell you. You win. Nobody's ever lost in going radically with Jesus. You say, well, hey, I heard about some people that got martyred. When you get there, you go ask them. You go ask the martyr, would you have changed one thing? You go ask them. I could have gone to a hundred places. I ended up in, in Psalm 16. We can do big faith and we can do big pain. I told you this story some years ago. A woman in our home church back in Little Rock, an EF4 tornado came through and killed her. Uh, she, had, she, was, uh, she had a family of, I think it was nine children. And a, or t- a tornado came through, killed her husband and two of her nine children. And I saw a picture of the of the house, there's nothing there. It was just a concrete slab. There's nothing there. And I saw posted on her Facebook something sometime later. Obviously, she had much grief to work through. But she said, a small God is no good in a big storm. And what I'm saying to you, 2017, you know, some of your lives will look radically different at the end of 2017 than they do right now. Some things will come to you that you have no idea are coming to you. That's how life is. You have no idea what's coming. We don't have any idea what's coming. But what do we know? We know who holds tomorrow, right? We know who we can trust. If we lose everything tomorrow, God's still God. God is still my good. I don't have a small God who's no good in a big storm. If the big storm comes, I have Jehovah. I have the living, true, faithful God. What's true for David here in verse 5? Whether in great blessing or great trial, abundance or loss, joy or pain, jubilation or sorrow, gladness or grief, our big God is sufficient He is our portion. My inheritance and my cup. He supports me. 
It's why this woman in our home church, it's why she could bury her husband and two of her kids and still worship God. That's probably, for maybe a few of you in here, that's unfathomable. But this is where the true Christian is. We worship. We worship no matter what comes in God's providence. I, I couldn't help but think of Psalm 23.6 in the, the, the message paraphrase. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. It doesn't say, well, when it's easier, when it's hard. Every day of my life. Every day God's beauty and love is chasing after me. Even if I'm burying my wife and my children today, God's love is chasing after me. He means for you to believe it. He means for you to live like it's true, beloved. It's what I'm trying to call you into in 2017. As we talked about last week. To live in such a way that people are compelled to ask you, why do you live like that? Why do you talk like that? Why won't you go do this with us? It's your opportunity to make much of Jesus. It's your opportunity to do that. David says, God supports my lot. In other words, God holds me. He upholds me. He keeps hold of me all the days of my life. Psalm 31, 14-15 As for me, I trust in You, O Lord. I say You are my God. My times are in Your hands. Whether it's a big storm or a day of overflowing blessing, my times are in the hands of God. I can worship God and trust God no matter what comes. I know the trial's coming. God's told me in His Word the trial is coming. So I'm not blown away when it comes. Are you ready? If it comes to you in 2017, are you ready? Are you ready for the trial? God means for His people to be ready. And God means for His people to give a mighty witness in the trial. Verse 6, the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. Simply, David says, hey, I know I'm blessed, right? I know I'm blessed. David's a rich man, right? He knows that he is blessed among men. But more important than his temporal blessing is his spiritual blessing, his heritage. It's beautiful to me. What's coming is beautiful to me. And of course, he's going to get into that in the last two verses of the psalm. What's coming to David? Forever with God. That's what's coming to him. You say, yeah, he was rich. It was easy for him to say that. But if you actually read Psalm 119, or pardon me, Psalm 19, David says that God and his revelations are much more desirable than, than gold. Verse 7, I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. David says, I will praise and adore God who has instructed me. How does God instruct His people? We do yoga and stare at our navel, right? No, that's not it. How does God instruct us? Through His Word. Okay, here it comes. 
2017, are you going to be in God's Word? Or is it still going to sit on the shelf? Or are you, going to be pre are you going to be looking at God's Word and preaching it to yourself, allowing God to preach to you, and so you're equipped because you have the Word of God in your heart and in your mind, you can preach to yourself? You know, you're always going to be afraid and you're always going to do the easy thing until you learn to preach to yourself. Until you learn to do what David is doing here in Psalm 16 and look at God and be encouraged and be kind of set free, be freed up If you're not in the Word of God, trust me, you have no power. I used to try it. You have no power. You don't have anything to say to anybody of any consequence. Trust me, you don't have a thing to say. And you don't have the power to overcome the simplest temptations. If you are not in the Word of God and being filled up, and built up and transformed. It's part of what is being said here. We can do big faith. We can do big pain. If we understand who God is and what He's promised. And you can't know that if you're not in the Word. I... I've seen it 33 years in ministry. So many people are so casual with the Bible. It's like, are you kidding me? It's your meat. It's your bread. It's your milk. You have to have it. I was sharing with a brother I went to seminary with back in Little Rock. I preached at his church uh, two weeks ago. And we have this running joke between us. I, the Lord made me a pastor because I'm so weak. I have to be in the Word every day or I'll drift, I'll drift off. I... You know, it has to be my job. I'm so weak. He made me a preacher. i got to be in the Word, man. And I want to say to you, you need to be in the Word. Let's finish up here. Verse 8, I have set the Lord continually. There it is. I've set the Lord continually before me because He's at my right hand. I will not be shaken. There it is. There's the payoff in this psalm. Uh, verse 8, are you setting the Lord continually before you? Or is it like, well, maybe on Sunday if I can squeeze it in. Beloved, you need to be looking at God. You can't have your best 2017 if you're not looking at God. If you're not looking continually at God as David exhorts us, if you're not doing that, you will not believe and obey. You will shrink back every time. Every time it gets hard or costly or expensive or difficult or you might lose a relationship here, you might lose your job, you might lose your circle of friends, whenever it gets hard, you'll shrink back unless you're continually looking at God and being changed. That's how weak you are and that's how weak I am. David makes it his business to look at God he looks at God. I'm just going to ask you, are you doing it? You can't live like you ought to if you're not. Verse 9, Therefore my heart is glad. He says, I'm looking at God. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. Look what he says. I'm continually, I'm looking at God every day. I'm looking at God. 
I'm not just simply looking at the internet and the media and listening to my friends. I'm looking at God. And it's giving me perspective. Therefore, my heart is glad. And my glory rejoices. My flesh will dwell securely. Securely, he says, I'm not afraid when I'm looking at God. If you're afraid, you're not looking at Him. You know, nobody ever said that Christianity was rocket science. It's not. <laughs> it's just doing the simple things. Doing the simple things. Look, and let me get this straight. Why would you not want to look at God? Okay, wait a minute. You're His. He saved you. Oh, He's on the cross. Oh, He's dead. Oh, He's ruling and reigning. Oh, He's returning. And you don't want to know more about Him? You don't want to look at Him? You don't want to be in awe? You don't want to worship? I don't understand it. I really, I don't understand it. I'm just confessing to you. I don't understand a kind of mindset. David says, because I look continually at God, whether it's a day of abundant blessing or a night of gut-wrenching trial, verse 9, therefore, therefore, I can handle all that comes to me. Verse 10, for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, neither will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. We understand that this verse is used in the New Testament to, to speak to Jesus Christ, but it's also applicable to us. David, David turns, he's turning away from, he's turning from the temporal now to the eternal. He says, I'm, I'm going to live every day like it's my last. I'm going to live huge, right? I'm not going to come to the grave and not have ever really lived at all because I was afraid every day. He says, I'm going to live huge, but look, now he turns in verses 10 and 11, he says, and I'm going to die well. And I can live huge specifically and particularly because I'm ready to die well. You know, when, you, when you're ready to die, you can live pretty free, right? You can, yeah, you can get freed up. It's kind of part of the deal. It's kind of part of the deal. I don't know what 2017 has for you, but this is one of my favorite things to say to you. We don't let our circumstances dictate our view of God. We let our view of God dictate our view of our circumstances. Amen? Because He is the God of Psalm 16. He is the God of Psalm 16. David says, I'm secure in living my faith huge and I'm secure when my death comes. Because Jehovah is my God. Verse 11. This is really... If someone said you only get one verse for heaven, Jim, tell me about heaven, you get one verse, it would be this verse. Psalm 16.11. He says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. Pleasures forever. Every once in a while, probably once a year, I quote Peter Pan. Who knows the quote I always quote from Peter Pan? Who knows it? Janelo, you should know it. Come on. Well, I can't, I can't critique you for not knowing the Peter Pan quote. Um, Peter Pan nailed this as it relates to born-again Christians. 
Peter Pan said to die would be what? An awfully big adventure. It's what David's saying. Death is gain. You know, living's the hard part for the Christian, right? <laughs> That's the hard part. Death is gain. To die will be an awfully big adventure. It's what, it's what he's saying here. Pleasures forever. Fullness of joy. David says, I will live huge. I will die well. Because my God is God. Most biblical scholars believe that David is in a fierce trial when he writes this psalm. But he will not succumb to it. He looks at God and he proclaims his victory in God. So yes, it's true. Every man dies. Not every man really lives. I, all I'm trying to do is, 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 is hand this off to you for 2017 and the preacher's always preaching to himself, yes, I want to, I want to seize 2017 with, with every ounce of my being and I want to make much of Jesus. I want to be a steward of 2017. I, I, I want it to be my best year with God. What true Christian doesn't want that? I don't know. I, I, don't, I think if you don't consciously want that, you, you, you probably haven't met Him yet. But every true Christian in this room does really live. And when we die, the real adventure begins. I want you to have the best year you've ever had. It's what I want for you. It's what I want for me. And I know what that looks like. I'm the oldest guy in the room probably by a factor of two. Okay? I've not only understand this from the Bible, I've lived this. Okay? I've lived this. At least to some degree. And I know this is true. If you want to live the best year you've ever lived, Thus far, you must draw near to Jesus. You must put your sin down. Every known sin, put it down. I'm calling you to repentance tonight too. Every known sin, I'm putting it down. I'm driving a stake in the ground. I'm going to give myself away afresh and anew. And I'm going to expect a God encounter. I am a valiant warrior. I am a valiant warrior. It's who I am in Christ Jesus. It's who I want you to be this year, beloved. I love you. I want this for you. Don't just blow me off. I know a lot of times you come in here and you probably say, well, Jim's out of control tonight. I'm just going to blow him off. Right? He's, he, gets, he gets excited. He's excitable. You know. I'm just going to stroke out up here one day. Right? Which would be perfect. It would be perfect. You guys, don't be, don't be sad if I stroke out up here, man. Applaud. It would be great. You know, die preaching. It, I, I don't think it gets any better than that. Think about what God has shown us about Himself, 
Think about what you want to do with 2017. Think about what you want to do with 2017. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, what a great, what a great word. What a great God. What a great encouragement. We're free. Some of us in here are not living like that is true, but we are free. We're free. We're free to live huge. And we are free to die well. Thank you, Father, that it's true. Thank you that it's true because of who you are and what you've done. Oh God, I pray that we would all be guilty of continually looking at you and your word. And that we would go out in the world and incarnate that truth. Help us, Father. We all struggle. We are all weak. You know our frame. Help us, Father. Help us drive a stake in the ground. Let 2017 be different. Let it be radically different. Take us on, Father. Help us to move on. Help us to go further. Help us to go deeper. Help us, Father. We cry out to You. Help us. We pray in the name of of Jesus. Amen. Okay, my music guy is not here. So, we will close with a benediction. Let's stand together. And may this be true for you in 2017 as you radically pursue the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up His countenance on you and give you peace. Go in peace, beloved. Go in peace. Have a great week. God bless you. Hope to see you next time.